You're listening to Family Rules, the podcast on BYU Radio, inspiring ideas, inspiring families. Oh, it's a good day to be part of this conversation, and we're glad that you are. Welcome to Family Rules, the podcast, everybody. I'm your host, Brooke Walker, so excited, like edge of my seat excited to dish up this conversation and share it with you today. I'll be talking with a man who I think, first of all, a great guy, a very enthusiastic, energetically contagious sort of a guy. He also has a really fascinating career. He's a performance consultant or a performance coach currently working for the Tampa Bay Rays. I invited him to name drop right off the top of our chat, and you'll be floored at some of the some of the people, some of the individuals and teams that he has worked with and coached over the years. But Justin Sua has a gift and a talent for motivating not only athletes, but anyone who wants to improve their performance in any field. And here's the thing, from the parenting lens, Justin is a dad as well, so he'll speak to this, but athletics and sports are such a great way to learn life lessons, right? About teamwork, motivation, health, resilience. If you, if you grew up playing sports, you know how fundamental, how foundational these sports and activities can be and in building friendships too and just overall life skills. Now that you're a parent though, you might be wondering how you can instill that same motivation, those same takeaways into your young athletes while setting appropriate parenting boundaries or in other words, not being that soccer mom or that football dad on the sidelines that everybody can identify and no one wants to necessarily be. Justin Sua, as I mentioned, is a performance consultant. He's also an author, and he believes that parents can play an influential role in their children's confidence and also in their motivation when it comes to not just sports and athletics, but any personal pursuit, academics, the spelling test. He jokes about having daughters who are into dance and music and even theater. These principles apply at any level and in any field. Take a listen as he shares what role parents can play, should play, in our children's ability to build resistance and support them throughout their pursuits. Justin, I have wanted to talk to you and interview you for a very long time, so this is a personal thrill. Thanks for jumping into Family Rules. So grateful to be here. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to this conversation. I follow you on Instagram. You're full of the inspiration, the Insta inspiration. You're constantly dishing it out. Is that a fun platform to kind of share your experience and insight? It really is. Social media is so interesting. You never know what you're going to get and the responses you're going to get. But I I just use it as a a teaching platform, an opportunity to share what I'm learning on a daily basis. Can you give us a little background? And I don't mean to be nosy and pry. Here's our first blush conversation, brand new friends. But I think the role of performance coach or performance consultant, there's some intrigue around that. So how did you develop this career and what did that career look like over the years? Yeah, what's really interesting, I think uh, looking back, uh, you could you could try to connect dots and it and it fits and aligns so well in a coherent story. And the reality is uh, I had no idea I was going to do this. I had no idea this field existed. I had no idea uh, that this would be something that I could provide 
uh, for my family, provide a living with. But uh, I was I wanted to be originally a professional baseball player, play baseball at you BYU. You were an athlete. You were the athlete yes. yourself. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. So play baseball at BYU, and uh, I got my brat my my bachelor's degree in broadcast journalism. So okay. I wanted to be a sports broadcaster, and I uh, did my internship at NBC Sports Los Angeles. And the first day of my internship, I realized I do not want to do this. Um, <laughs> and the, the reason was is I wanted to work with athletes. I didn't I didn't want to interview them, but, but I didn't know what exactly I was going to do. I didn't, I didn't want to be a coach. And then just I was naive to I didn't know there were other jobs in sports. And so I went on and I was a seminary teacher for five years at, at Mountain View High School. And I loved it. I loved the kids. I loved teaching. I loved I loved all of it, the storytelling, the curriculum building. And then uh, I got a degree, a master's degree, while I was teaching seminary in sports psychology. And wouldn't you know it, the first class, we're talking about the psychology of elite performers. How do you motivate people? How do you help people stay focused? And I remember thinking, wait, this is a, an entire field of psychology. You could do this for a living. And wouldn't you know it, once I got my degree, I opened up my left teaching seminary, opened up my own consulting practice, and, uh, and off we went. Can I invite you to name drop? Tell us some of the coach, the, tell us some of the teams or players that you've worked with over the years. Yeah, just in in the, in the course of about a decade. Uh, currently, I'm with the Tampa Bay Rays Major League Baseball team. But uh, be, when I first first got started, uh, I started working one on one with Chelsea Hightower from Dancing with the Stars, and then from there we moved on to working with uh, elite. Uh, uh, soldiers in the military. So moved our family to San Antonio, working with the combat medics, military intelligence, and then went to a place called the IMG Academy, where I exclusively worked with youth athletes, which is a whole nother conversation. Very interesting there with the kids and the parents. And then I went to the Boston Red Sox. Uh, We won the World Series in 2018. That was a lot of fun. And then I had a, a stop for a couple of years with the Cleveland Browns in the NFL. But yeah, I've had uh, Olympic teams, um, Google, um, then is some uh, some uh, elite hairstylists who work on <laughs> Beyonce and Jennifer Aniston's hair. And so anyone who who is just trying to perform at a high level under stress, that, that's my domain. I'm sorry, hairstylists need a performance coach? <laughs> what? What's interesting, yeah, what's, what's, what's fascinating is you would think that, maybe you wouldn't think, but it's People think that elite performers are the only one have the corner market on stressful situations. And so with performance tactics on performance psychology and decision making, it's not just for the pro athletes. It is for the cashier at the grocery store. It's for CEOs of corporate organizations. It's for moms. It's for dads. It's for anyone who wants to learn how to navigate Uh, their ability to perform at a high level under stress. Well, you tapped into the lens that I will take today, the perspective that you and I will look through, which is that of the parent role, the mom, the dad out there trying to motivate their children to be the best they can be. That sounds nice and cheesy, put it on a Hallmark card. But I am curious to know professionally through your experience, how much of what you do is formulaic? Justin, in other words, this principle will apply across the board to that major league baseball player or Beyonce's hairstylist. And how how much of it do you have to customize based on the individual personality of the individual you're working with? That's a great question. Uh, a lot needs to be customized. Mm-hmm. And some of the variables that you need to take into consideration is, number one, context. How are they trying to use this? 
we'll use sport for example. Okay. Uh, a team, a team sport athlete is way different than a solo sport athlete who's just uh, swimming by themselves. Um, uh, high impact sports like football is different than less high impact sports like golf or baseball. And so, understanding the context, also you need to take into consideration uh, the environment. Do you have a coach, or do you have a high stress parent, or high stress leader, or is it more uh, easygoing? You have to also consider the level. Is it the player development or are we just learning how to play our sport? Are we just learning our ABCs or are these elite performance levels who are competing against others at the highest level? And another thing that I do as well is, is not just myself, anyone in my domain is you don't want to shove a tool down someone's throat. You don't want to say everyone needs to meditate. Everyone needs to do this. I, I do try to create uh, provide frameworks, universal frameworks or principles. So something as simple as focus on what you can control. That's, that's pretty universal. It's, 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 uh, it's pithy, it's simple, it's easy to understand. However, what does focus on what you can control look like for you, mom or dad or son or daughter? Another one, be where your feet are. Oh, that's great. Be where my feet are. What does that mean? Oh, it just means be fully in the present. Okay, great. How do I apply that to my life? Great. Okay, we got to understand where is your mind going? What are your friction points? Can we teach you meditation? Can we teach you uh, to, the goal setting or visualization? So it, the principles are universal. Mm -hmm. However, uh, the tactics on how to apply them are completely different. And I have to imagine being a dad yourself, you would agree that that applies to parenting. Like every kid requires a different, which this is, a, this is, and I'm still on the early end at the starting point, it feels like of my parenting journey, but this is intimidating to me. The idea that I have to customize my parenting to my child's needs and individual personalities, but, but it does apply right in parenting too. I I would say so. <laughs> Being a parent myself, yeah. and, and it's 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 so fascinating how how we evolve, how we change, just the age of our kids. And my wife and I were just having this conversation. Uh, our kids are teenagers now, and so we need to treat them like teenagers, right. talk to them like teenagers, give them teenager responsibilities. They're not four, five, six-year-old uh, elementary school kids. Now they have their own opinions. Now they have their They're own They're not motivation. allowed to have their, their own, own opinions. Right. What are you talking about? <laughs> I know. Go figure. That's <laughs> what we're learning that the hard way. But yeah. uh, but yes, it's a, if there's that, there's that axiom in teaching, if they don't teach the way you learn, uh, if they don't learn the way you teach, teach the way they learn. And yeah. we're trying to understand that and adapt that to ourselves as well. Let's start with this idea of motivation, right? It's something as a parent, I want to raise a highly motivated child, no matter what that looks like, speaking to that customization, no matter what their interests or pursuits or personal goals might be. You strongly believe we have to be a, an advocate of that motivation as at a really young age? Like, why is it important to keep even young kids motivated? Yeah, well, motivation is such a, it's a, it's a very, it's a great topic. It's a great topic. It's one of the most common topics amongst uh, youth or just parents and trying to motivate people. And I think parents in particular, we're asking ourselves, what can I do to motivate, motivate my kids? What, what can I do? Where I think a more effective question would be, what can I do to create an environment where my kids will motivate themselves? Mm. And what do I mean by that? I think the research on motivation, it's, it's crystal clear how to create an environment to motivate where your kids motivate themselves. There are three principles that, that not necessarily need to be present, but if they are present, 
research shows that motivation is enhanced. Principle number one is helping your child gain a sense, have a sense of autonomy, meaning that they feel like they are in somewhat control of their life, of their domain. And it looks something as simple as, it could be something as simple as, okay, it's not, are do you want vegetables or not? It's, okay, to your daughter, your son, you're going to eat vegetables, but which one do you want? Do you want broccoli or do you want carrots today? Oh, okay. I'll take broccoli. You're giving them some sense of autonomy. Mm-hmm. They're going. They're going to eat their vegetables, but they're going to choose. You're going to clean your room. Do you want to clean it before dinner or do you want to clean it after dinner? Mm-hmm. Okay, let's clean it before. So they have at least a sense of autonomy. They can look different in 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 any different kind of context for any age person, adults including adults. Uh, the second principle to create an environment that that cultivates a motivated person is a sense of control. Uh, the moment we feel like we, we lose a sense of control, that's where we begin to struggle. And this goes hand in hand with autonomy, helping our kids understand what aspects they can control. I was working with a kid one day and uh, one of his assignments when we, were, when we were, this is years ago, I said, do something, do something for your family or in your home without being asked to do it. And so he tells me he was going to go wash the dishes one day. Uh, he put down his video game controller, was going to wash the dishes. And his, his mom said, we'll say his name is Jimmy. Jimmy, go wash the dishes. And wouldn't you know it, he turned around and he went back and he played the game. And I said, Jimmy, why? You're about to wash the dishes. What happened? He goes, my mom told me I had to. <laughs> and obviously, uh, you got to listen to your mom anyway and you should do it. But I asked him, it just he said his motivation for doing it just left because he felt he was forced to do it. And so again, this takes a little creativity. There sure. are moments, obviously, we have to tell our kids what to do, but just at least thinking about it. How can I help my child have this sense of control okay. and not force them to what I want to do? And last but not least is relatedness, uh, which is strong relationships. Uh, motivation is enhanced to the degree our children or people feel connected to the people they're always around. They don't feel judged. They don't feel, they feel safe. If we're, we're talking about the, in the home, do they feel safe in the home? Is there psychological safety? Do they feel safe to fail? Or are they afraid to fail because mom and dad is going to yell at them and, and they have to feel it. They, they have to be perfect. And so I think that's where a good place to start. Yes, uh, yes. Asking ourselves as parents, am I creating a sense of autonomy? My creating a sense of control and relatedness to help create a, an environment of, where they'll be more motivated. Brilliant. I love a to-do list. You just gave us a brilliant to-do list in terms of motivation. Now let's talk about the push. And there's there's a way better word for that. Maybe I should say encouragement. As a parent, encouraging your child to show up or perform, you know, we can all think back to either a personal experience sitting on the sidelines and seeing that mom or that soccer dad over there doing it the wrong way, or we can turn to the news and see headline after headline, you know, example of of parents who are too loud, too pushy, crossing the lines, not having good person, not having good personal control or boundaries. So how can I encourage Justin how can I encourage Justin without being that soccer mom, so to speak? What makes this question difficult to understand is it looks so different from person to person because of our subjective opinion on things. Uh, I might look at, someone might look at me and say, Justin, you're too pushy. You're too mm. ambitious. No, you can't do that. But then it works in our home. It works with our kids. And then we look at someone else and, they, and you might think, look at another parent and say, 
Why doesn't that parent cheer? Why doesn't that parent push them? Why does that parent let their child do whatever they want? And so at the end of the day, I think it really comes down to really taking a look at ourselves as parents and, and asking what are my motives? What am I really trying to do? And and a, a phrase that I really love is to water our kids, water their ambitions. What do our children love to do right now? Uh, something, and again, I... I wrote a book called Parent Pep Talks and I told my publisher, I don't want to write this book because I don't want to be seen. I'm critical of my own parenting ability. I don't want to <laughs> give anyone parenting advice because I You don't want to be Justin Sue the expert to end all experts? <laughs> no way. And so I love to dance around parenting questions because... My kids can walk in at any moment and say, well, let me tell you what my dad is really like and so forth. So I, I I'm giving you all of these, these, <laughs> these, these thoughts with a great, take these with a grain of thought, a uh, grain of salt. Yeah. But one thing my wife and I are, are always are trying to ask our kids are, what do, what do you want to do right now? Uh, not what do you want to do when you grow up? What do you want to do right now? Hmm. And, and that has really caught, and that was organic. We, we didn't read any research articles. We didn't study any journals. That was almost accidental at the dinner table one day. And I grew up with sports. I want to play sports. I want to be involved with sports. That's my life. None of my kids play sports. Really? They're all dancers or singers or, or actors or they're in music. Um, my kids are doing things that I would never do growing up. And I'll be honest, when we first started going down that route, I struggled. I struggled and I thought, wait a minute, I, the, the pedigree of baseball players are going to be lost with my son. How, what am I doing? We are athletes. And once I was able to get over and say, you know what? It's not about me. What do my kids love to do? They love to sing. They love to dance. They love music. They love to write. They love to play instruments. I did none of that growing up. And I think, um, and, and, and lo and behold, I guess it's an opportunity to kind of share my youngest daughter, she wants to act in her first movie. She played the daughter of Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, and, and she she's now in the movies. My, hey. my son was just doing a, a, a music, a, doing a session with Justin Timberlake in the studio. Amazing. Um, it, it's, it's, it's crazy to see. And again, like these, I never would have imagined this would happen. And not to say that it's going to happen. They're yeah. going to have to be elite, yeah. but it's cool to see where they, what they're doing with, with, with their ambitions, with their passions. Absolutely. And that you can flex that energy or those principles you talked about in any aspect of life, in any corner or arena of life. You talk a lot about discipline and doing difficult things. I'd love to hear your thoughts on finding, finding a balance of letting our kids know they can do those hard things, right? And practice that solid work ethic while still being, while still being a compassionate and loving and even gentle parent. What's the balance there, do you? think? I think it really starts with the parent themselves. I, in many years of working with young athletes, uh, the kids, they don't create their own habits. They copy their habits from mom and dad. I've noticed that they respond to stress the way mom and dad respond to stress. Mm. As they grew up watching mom and dad, their opinion or their framework around failure, around success, around teamwork really stems from what they see and they grew up in the home at such a young age. 
And the words that they say to themselves, the self-talk that they have, I'll even say, hey, what, what makes you say that? They're like, oh, my dad tells me that or my mm-hmm. mom tells me that. Like, wow, like the, 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 their self-talk becomes the words that mom and dad say to them constantly. So to answer your question, when it comes to helping our kids expand their circle of competence or step or to, or to em, em, embrace the uncertainty, it really starts with mom and dad doing that and yeah. mom and dad sharing their failures and their nerves and their struggles and their frustrations, uh, sitting at the dinner table and telling their kids, how they went for it. Had, hey, you know what? I went to start a podcast and I was terrible. Hey, you know what? I, I went to call this friend and it didn't work out. Or as we share our failures and our struggles and our adversity with our kids, they're going to say, oh, mom and dad struggled too. Mom and dad failed too. Yes. But mom and dad also gets up as well. Mom and dad is learning those lessons. One of my favorite lessons is um, from Sarah Blakely. She is the CEO of Spanx. Yes. Um, I'm not familiar I'm with I'm not the, used to I'm a man being familiar with this brand. <laughs> I'm very impressed. <laughs> um, but she's so inspiring because she shared a story about how she grew up. And they asked her, how are you, how are you so good? How do you have this framework, this mentality uh, that you have to be so successful? The yeah. first self-made billionaire uh, female in the history of planet Earth, um, and uh, allegedly, and as, as we know. But, but then, but she goes, it, she thanks her parents. And she said, every time she'd come home from school, her dad would ask her, in what did you fail today? And she would always be like, oh, she'd have to be for her and her brother were forced to share their failures. And when she didn't have a failure, her dad would be disappointed say, oh, you didn't wow. fail today. Wow. And that taught her this value that, to, that taught her to value failing, to yeah. not just yeah. fail for failing's sake, but to learn from failure. She, to appreciate her it. Her parents taught to appreciate it, yeah. to normalize it, to, to, to grow from it. And I think that's one way to help our kids because the reason that a lot of kids don't want to aim high or they're not disciplined or they don't want to do the hard thing is because of their framework around failure. Yeah. They don't want to fail. They want to play it safe. They don't want to get in trouble. But if mom and dad are learning to frame that for them and saying, hey, I'm failing too. I'm struggling too. Uh, it, it normalizes it. It makes it a lot safer environment. I love to that. Fail. I love that. I found myself reflecting on kind of a personal progress exercise I was challenged to do many years ago. It was something to the effect of, you know, write 20, 20, how was it? How was it phrased? 20 life experiences that helped shape you for good or something to that effect. And I was able to list, um, you know, uh, points of faith in my upbringing. I was able to list growing growing up in a small town, I thought really contributed to my, my overall character and value. And one thing that made that top 20 list as I pressed my brain to think toward this goal or this exercise that surprised me was I listed that I'm grateful for parents who had failed. And I was able to draw back on a mom and a dad who at one point or the other, both successful in their own right in many ways, but at one point they had each not made the team, right? For dad, it was Mm. basketball. For mom, it was cheer, whatever it happened to be. And they'd openly shared that failure with us as kids. And it wasn't even that you know, you talk about that relatability or normalizing the failure. That was certainly part of it. But there also grew this cord of compassion. Like they taught us what it feels like to be the one who didn't make the team or came up short or didn't make the mark. And I think from a human lens, there, there's value to that as well, shaping the compassion, shaping the understanding, and ultimately appreciating that growth lesson for what it can be. I, you... 
I loved how you said that. I, there's nothing really to add to what you said because I think you articulated it perfectly. I want to highlight the word that you said. And you, at, you said this word in the initial question and I didn't touch on it that I loved. Um, compassion. Yeah. Self-compassion, compassion for others, compassion for ourselves. Uh, we live in a world where our kids, what they're exposed to these days that I was never exposed to because of social media, because of technology, they're exposed to things that make it more likely for them to compare themselves to other people. Mm -hmm. They're more likely to get down on themselves, to beat up on themselves, cyber bullying, all of these things. And I loved your, how you're highlighting compassion and to be able to look at yourself and, and to give yourself the benefit of the doubt. Sure. Like, Hey, you know what? We're, we're struggling and, sure. and that's okay. We're going to fail. We're going to bump, uh, we're going to fumble and bumble. It's, it's like walking. Like we've yeah. all succeeded walking, but we failed a lot on, along the way, but I, I love what you said well, about well, just really thanks. emphasizing compassion. Well, it helps us, I think, appreciate others, but also when it's our turn to fail. And I had many of those moments myself after my parents had, you know, shared their experience with me, experiences with me that gave myself compassion. So I, I appreciate you acknowledging that. that. Let's talk losing and winning. I don't know if that's quite as gentle of a question or a topic, <laughs> but it's certainly part of life, right? Our kids are going to win. Our kids are going to fail or lose. How can we frame that healthfully as a parent so that it does become good learning ground? I, I losing. You're smiling. Losing, You're smiling I, as you're talking about losing. <laughs> That's good. What's interesting because, uh, just a little, a little bit of a, a story behind this. I was, so in 2018, with the Boston Red Sox, we won the world series. Yes. And so for those who are not familiar with sports, that was big. You are the champ. You're the champions of the season at the highest level. My of baseball. son's name is Boston, by the way. Oh, nice. Yeah, nice. that adds okay. to my credibility at all. And my, 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 my husband, <laughs> I'm quick to say, we didn't name him after your favorite team. And he's like, yeah, 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 whatever. But anyway, go on. Yeah, big deal when they won the World Series. It was wonderful. It was great. But what's funny is the year before, I was a member of the 0-16 Cleveland Browns. Okay. And so the team, basically, we had so the complete opposite, polar opposite. We set a record for not winning at all oh, no. during the season. And so I had the chance to be part of, to lose a lot. Uh, not just a lot, every single game to not win at all with one team and to win the highest level with the other team. Uh, just recently, about a month ago, we lost in the World Series to the Los, to the Los Angeles Dodgers. We felt losing. Um, one of my pet peeves, so I don't, if any of your listeners, one of the phrases I do not like that is very common and uh, is, is sometimes you win, sometimes you learn. Um, I don't like that for, for this reason. I think when you say that sometimes you win, sometimes you learn, you minimize the power of losing. You minimize, and wow. so I think you win and you lose, but you learn from both. Uh -huh. Some of what happens to a lot of success when people get straight A's, when people win, it's you're so smart, you're so great. Let's go get ice cream. Let's go get the, <laughs> let's go get pizza. Let's celebrate. Great. Instead of pausing, to learning those life lessons. What did I do to succeed? Uh, what was working? What didn't work? What do I need to keep doing during the wins? It's just so emotionally charged and happy that we sometimes brush over it. Yeah. The losses, however, are so deep. They're so painful. They're so hurtful that a lot of times that's where 
we don't even want to look at those losses. We don't want to pull those lessons from them. Uh, and so it's important to ask those same questions. What did I, what do I need to start doing? What do I need to stop doing? What do I need to keep doing? Because there's some things that we're doing well during the losses as well. Uh, our ability to learn from losses is a superpower. It is something that if you learn how to do it, it's going to be hard. Yeah. Uh, the natural intuitive human instinct is to look away to not revisit it, to not go back and look at the tape, to delete it, to put our head in the sand or to blame other people to protect our egos. But if you can learn to be still and to stare at your losses and to really learn and to pull out lessons, oh, it's going to be so much more beneficial. Okay, so how do I teach that or promote that as a parent? It sounds good as you say it. And I'm, I'm nodding and I'm subscribing and I'm saying yes, yes, yes. As a parent, how can I help promote that in my young athlete? I think you use those same questions that I just asked. So you take a child who had a, a bad loss. Maybe they got an F on this report card. Maybe they got a, they didn't do good in, in school or on at their sport, whatever it may be, something that they deem was a failure. Uh, one thing that doesn't help is you need if, if you're highly charged and emotional as a parent. If you're in the red or we say the red, if you're highly charged, it's very hard to do effective teaching and to be logical and to really pull out good lessons. But when you're calmed down and when your child's calmed down, that's the perfect time to have to have your child open up his or her journal and to start writing some questions, asking a question, okay, we, we failed. You failed, whatever, however you want to phrase it. But there wasn't, it wasn't all bad. What were some good things that you did? Mm -hmm. Okay. What were, what were some things that we need to stop doing? Okay. What were some things that we need to keep doing? Uh, what, what are some things that you learned from this that you're going to do better next time? Uh, just those simple questions. I'm a firm believer that if you want better answers, you need to start asking better questions. I think some of the best interviewers, some of the best interrogators, some of the best scouts, they're just masterful question askers. Because if you don't ask those effective questions, what the kid's going to be asking himself or herself is, why am I so bad? Why am I a loser? Why can I ever get anything right? Why am I so dumb? As they're asking themselves those questions, their mind is going to go out into the world and bring evidence to show them why they are bad. It's going to answer that question. So us as parents... We need to ask more effective questions to our kids to help them learn those lessons um, by design and not and not and not allow the default negative questions to cloud their mind. Love it. So wise, so helpful. Thank you for that. You talked about not loving the phrase, sometimes you win, sometimes you learn. Are there are there any other phrases or or catch sentences, go-to words that sometimes parents say in a well-meaning fashion that maybe don't quite line up in the way that we want it to? Things we can avoid really saying to our young athletes. That's a really good question. I think it's less um, the phrase and more of adding to it. Okay. So let me give you an example. So I think we, we tell our kids, relax. Great advice. That's great. However, have you taught them how to relax? Uh, did they, uh, that's great. So instead of relax, you can say something like, instead of yelling out, relax, uh -huh. and the kid's like, I am relaxing. And then they're like, <laughs> what do you no, think I'm like, doing? No, like, exactly. Exactly. Uh, instead of, it could be a tactic, say, okay, uh, slow, uh, slow down your breathing. Okay. That is going to trigger relaxation. Uh, something as simple as, um, something as simple as focus. Okay. Fo focus. Okay. Have we taught the kid cues on how to focus? Cause if not, 
then the child does not know what do I focus on? Is it internal? Is it external? Is it the ball? Is it my feet? Is it the hands? Is it, it, what do I focus on? Giving your child a cue on what to focus on. Uh, tell them that's very important. But I think perhaps the most important thing that a parent could do to cultivate the growth mindset comes down to how they praise their children after a success. Here's a common phrase, or here's a common thing. I am on when the edge of my seat right now. I want you okay, to know. I am like all in. <laughs> we'll use school. A child comes home from school with an A. A very common phrase that parents will say is, you're so smart. Wow. Oh, you, you're so good. You, oh, that's my brilliant child. Oh, that's right. And we praise them and it's great. Now, I am so guilty. On the, guilty, guilty, on the, guilty. Well, well, and here's the thing. On the surface... That's not necessarily bad. We yeah. think, oh man, that's not bad. But research out of Stanford says there is a better way. Now, let me show with you why that might not be the best way. Here's why. Because what the research shows is if we praise our kids for being smart, for being great athletes, for being, you're just a great musician. That's why you're, you're just so good. You're brilliant. What happens is if they run into a subject or if they run into a problem in school that they struggle with, all of a sudden they run up against this identity, uh-oh, that must mean I'm not smart. If they're playing against an athlete, a team that's better than them and they lose, they run it, it pushes against their identity, this must mean I'm not a good athlete. This must mean I'm not a good musician. This must mean I'm not brilliant. So we start pushing against their identity, their motivation goes down, their effort goes down, they begin to struggle. A better way, according to the research at a Stanford, Carol Dweck, she says, instead of praising their result, praise their process. So now we go into that experience and the child comes home, mommy, daddy, I got an A. You say, wow, it's because you studied so hard for that. It's because of all the work that you put in to get in that, to get that grade. It's because of all the reading you did. It's because of all the notes that you took. And so what you're praising is their controllable process so that when they run into obstacles again, they don't have to rely on their brilliance or their beauty or right. their intelligence. Right. They rely on their process. Oh, I got to keep studying harder. Or my mom and dad praise me for my hard work. They praise me for uh, the, the, the effort I'm putting in. So praise the efforts as opposed to praising the results. It's the controllables. Yes. I love that. Yes. I love that. Justin, we talk a lot about building confidence, and I think that's in large part. I can't speak for all parents, but I know that's why I'm anxious for my child, you know, to feel a little success on the soccer field or to feel strong when she's out on that dance stage. I mean, you want to help build that confidence. What role ultimately do parents play in building confidence? It seems some kids naturally come with a little bit more of it. Other kids maybe have to work at it. What's the role of parents, do you think, in the confidence building process? So I have a couple of uh, almost dichotomous uh, uh, opinions about confidence. So okay. just for anyone listening, I could give a couple of strategies based on the research to build your child's confidence. Uh, number one is you can have your child revisit past successes. They can go back and remember times they, they performed well. That builds confidence. Uh, positive thoughts build confidence. Uh, having encouraging people builds confidence. Preparation builds confidence. Having a purpose builds confidence. All these things build confidence. However, one thing that we learn at the highest level is you learn how fickle confidence is. Uh, 
And so many people are chasing confidence. They're chasing it, but it's this elusive feeling. Uh, We've all experienced moments where we go into something feeling confident, feeling confident, but we don't perform very well. And then we have moments where we go into something not feeling very confident at all, but lo and behold, we perform extremely well. So what does that teach us about confidence? It teaches us that it is not an accurate predictor of future success. And so what we try to tell our athletes at the highest level is to not chase confidence, but to chase competence. A lot of times we have a lot of people who who are quote unquote confident, but they lack confidence. It's that American Idol singer who, who belts out his or her song and they have all the confidence in the world, but it's, it, it's terrible. <laughs> and no offense, I'm not the best singer in the world, but the judges tell them it's not good. And, and they're thinking the judges are crazy. Like, how dare you think? I'm amazing. It's like, okay, that's, it, 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 it doesn't line up. My up. mom said However, so. <laughs> exactly. My mom said so. Yeah. However, we have other people who are really good at what, they're do, what they do, but you know what? They doubt themselves sometimes. They don't feel super secure. They don't feel, uh, they have this imposter syndrome that they're going to be found out. And when it comes to our children's confidence, one of the things we tell them, as I like to tell my kids is, it's okay to feel lack of confidence. That's going to happen sometimes. You're going to feel doubt. You're going to feel like you're not good enough to at least normalize it. That's okay. But At the same time, you know what we're going to do? Let's go build your competence. Let's put in the hours of of working. Let's train. Let's do everything we can. And then right before the game, right before the test, I remind, we remind our kids, we remind the players, hey, remember all the effort you put in, but before you go into this game or this test, just know you're going to have these thoughts. You're not good enough. You're not good. Hey, that's okay. Let them come and let them go. You're having them, not because you're not good, but because you're human. And we all have that negativity and that doubt. My favorite proverb is a bird can rest peacefully on a branch, not because of its trust in the branch, but because of its trust in its ability to fly. And I think as parents, we want to instill, we don't want misplaced confidence. We want to, we want to place, help our kids develop confidence and their ability to fly. You might get a bad test. You might do bad in that sport. You might get bullied. You might have all your friends leave you. But you know what? We're going to build confidence in your wings. And this is going to make you stronger. And you can get better. And you can learn from this. Yes, it's an icky feeling right now. It's not comfortable. But hey, this is going to make you stronger. So really cultivating confidence in their ability to fly or their resilience um, in things that that are long-lasting as opposed to... uh, uh, confidence on empty things that come and go that won't guarantee success. Confidence in their ability to fly. This conversation lived up in all of the ways. I'm so grateful for your time and your expertise, your energy too. I could feel that through the through the audio waves. And I love how you framed it through the parenting lens, yes, but also gave us a wide variety of applications from that spelling test to that dance recital to that soccer game. These principles can apply across the board. Justin, where can we hear more from you? Uh, I'm available on any of my in social media, Justin Sua. If you go to any social media, you'll you'll find me. Well, keep doing what you're doing. It really is inspiring, and I appreciate someone at your level being able to bring it down to our home front and meet us where we're at. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Brooke. It was a pleasure to be here. 
You've been listening to Family Rules, the podcast. Our special guest today, Justin Sua, and how to motivate our young athletes and be the right kind of soccer parents, so to speak, or to promote success in the home in a way that is healthy and, and inspiring at the same time. If you enjoyed this conversation, if it resonated with you and helped you and your family where you're at, we'd invite you to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. We hope you join us next time. Family Rules, the podcast is a production of BYU Broadcasting.